Howdy guys, Mike Baker, Mad Buyer, ABO Outfitters. Today we've got a super fun guest. It's Ben Brochu from Shadow Valley Outfitters in Arizona. They have a ton of different hunt options, anywhere from the world-class, world-famous Kai Bab and Strip, all the way down to the over-the-counter opportunities that uh, you know us regular Joes are going to try to get on sometime. So it's really information-packed, super fun. Thanks for joining in, and uh, stay tuned. Okay, boys, we're live. Ben, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to have me on and hopefully provide all the listeners with some good information about Arizona and opportunities and how to get involved and, you know, what uh, what they can do to, to come out and hunt in, in Arizona in the West. Absolutely, yeah. Arizona in general in the state, from up here where we're at and the ABO Outfitters crew in the Midwest, like that's a dream state to a lot of people. So uh, definitely interested in the exciting information that, that people could uh, take with this. Giant bucks and giant bulls, but there's also, uh, you know, everyday, everyday uh, person, so to speak, hunt opportunities. And we'll obviously dive into that. But Ben, what we like to do typically is we'll just jump back to the beginning where you grew up, who you are, what kind of things you were doing growing up as far as the outdoors and what ultimately got you into it? Yeah, no, sounds good. Uh, well, again, like you guys said, my name is Ben Brochu with Shadow Valley Outfitters down in Arizona. Um, I'm one of uh, three owners of the company. Uh, the other two owners are Pat McCarty and Bob Dykeman. Uh, they live up in Prescott and I'm down in Tucson. Um, little bit about shadow valley we cover all of arizona we've got about 35 guides or so that work for us um and really tried to get into something that to provide a little bit different opportunity uh you know we try to to cater more to the trophy component but also just you know just try and be real with folks and and honest with people and um about expectations and and what to expect and you know, get, get folks out here and, and have a lot of fun. So, uh, in terms of me, um, I, uh, I'm an Arizona native. I grew up here in Arizona, Southern Arizona. Uh, I grew up hunting and fishing with my family and grandparents, everything like that. So it was, it was something that, uh, you know, has played a big role in my life and shaped me into the person that I am. Um, since I was in diapers, I mean, I was on camping trips again. I spent the first I don't think I was in middle school before I went uh, trick-or-treating because we were always out at deer camp and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, grew up in Arizona. Uh, after high school, I went to college at the University of Arizona, the best college in the state for any uh, Sun Devils fans up there. ASU? NAU Lumberjacks. Um, <laughs> I, no, I went to the U of A. You went, but, yeah, you went uh, to the other one. The better one. Do I have an, an ASU or listening? <laughs> no uh, not on our side no no yeah definitely uh, okay good we're about the opposite extreme um, but, up just about to the canadian border und yeah <laughs> yeah so uh i went to the university of arizona i majored in uh, wildlife ecology i got my four-year degree in wildlife uh ecology and then shortly thereafter went and did a few seasonal jobs and 
Uh, then finally got hired with the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Uh, I bounced around a few different positions there uh, around the state and finally got hired as a, as a, uh, a game warden. Um, they're also referred in Arizona as a wildlife manager. Uh, I was a game warden for about 11 years and, um, and then decided I needed a little bit of a career change. And so I went over into the, uh, into the fire service. Um, it was a, a fairly easy decision in terms of opportunities, all the, it's all the same retirement. So all my time transferred, um, you know, and, and there was just more opportunity in terms of both personally and professionally with the fire department. Uh, and it afforded me more time to actually do more hunting, both on my own, more guiding, um, and, uh, and more stuff with my family as well. So, um, I've been with the fire department for, I guess, a little over five years or so. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. Um, it's been a lot of fun and, and certainly don't regret any decisions I've made. And, uh, I get to do a lot of, a lot of stuff with my family. Uh, most of November I've been on hunts with my friends and family and things like that. So it's been, it's been good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, to, to correlate with that, it was interesting to hear your outlook on, you know, that you, you went through the the wildlife industry, you know, and then made a transfer because of personal reasons. And, uh, I actually went to college to my first stint in college was to South Dakota state university. And I went for wildlife and fishery sciences. And then as a, as a young 18 year old lad, I, you know, didn't feel, I was just looking at, you know, some of the internships after, after college and, you know, the amount of people that are sought after for those few positions. And I just kind of got caught up and went to a different direction. And, uh, you know, and so the same things kind of came back in my head too. It's just like, well, if I'm all doing this and grinding away in the job market, you know, I definitely want to have time for, for my own personal hunting things too. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to understand your, your, uh, travel through that industry. Yeah. And then not yeah, only no, that, was, but it, it, go ahead, Ben. No, I was going to say it, it was a ball. I mean, I had a lot of fun when I worked in the industry, I did a lot of really cool things. You know, probably my most favorite was just wildlife captures out of helicopters and stuff like that, which, uh, you know, yes. I was that's, able to, that's so and that's what, that's what gets everybody into that, right? Like you see those types oh. of things and activities that those people do in, you know, the wildlife studies. And it's like, Holy smokes, that looks like fun. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it, it's a ball just going out and capturing wildlife and then just, you know, all the aerial surveys, being able to see stuff from a helicopter or a plane. And, um, you know, it's very, very cool. Like I said, I don't regret anything. I had a lot of fun with the agency and, um, but for me, it was a, it was, it was a good time to, to move on. And, and I certainly don't regret the, the decision I made. So I'm sure, you know, things start to make sense a little bit more. You can look at topo maps and all that kind of thing. And, Sure, you can understand it, but looking at it from a helicopter in some of those areas that you're going to then be out hunting, it's you see the way the herds are moving or animals are moving, it can totally change your mindset and probably then later on down the road can help you, you know, now in your your, your job as a guide. Sure, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's certainly been very helpful. That's awesome. So you mentioned you guys got 35 guides within Shadow Valley. That's uh that's a pretty good number of guides in your outfit. How many, how many 
I, I mean, let's 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 dive into the outfitter side of things. Uh, yeah. What, uh, like, how many groups can you take on at once? What's the the accommodations you guys have? Um, I mean, with thirty five guides, licensed guides out there, that, that can take a lot of hunters, right? Yeah, I mean, we so we have, uh, like I said, thirty five people. Um, all the people, because of our history, and especially my history, obviously being in law enforcement and things like that. You know, we're we're very careful in terms of who we employ. Um, you know, a lot of friends, very close friends, family members, um, people that we know and trust already. Um, we, we really don't and haven't brought on anyone just complete strangers just because of the, the liability, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of, um, you know, everyone has their own uh, second career, too. So we don't have any full-time guides, per se. You know, people have their own careers and some people are more active than others in terms of, of, uh, of, of how many hunts they want per year and how many we can do. But, um, you know, we've, we've, we've grown substantially in the last couple of years. Um, uh, and, and I guess a little bit about shadow Valley, uh, Pat and Bob, they started shadow Valley, the company back in, uh, late 15, I guess, um, really early 2016. Um, and, you know, they, they've worked for a number of different outfits, uh, prior to that in the state. Um, you know, when I was with the, the, uh, as a game warden, obviously I couldn't guide. I did a lot of assisted hunts and stuff like that. Not in a guide capacity or paid capacity, obviously. Um, but then I, uh, I joined up in about 2018, I guess. And with the intent to run kind of Southern Arizona, the Pew stuff, OTC stuff and things. And, and we've just really grown from there. Um, and, uh, so we, uh, we do generally all there's 10 big game species in Arizona. Um, we cover just about all of them with, except for probably bison, I guess. Um, you know, that's a whole separate, uh, thing that, that, uh, is, is very specialized. Um, but uh, all the other big game species we we uh, we have expertise in and 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 uh, yeah we do a lot of different hunts especially for elk elk mule deer uh, coos deer um, antelope occasional bighorn sheep you know those are hard to draw but uh, we stay very busy with those those first uh, those first few species yeah right on yeah the bison didn't we didn't we apply for that and tried winning the lottery there yeah wasn't there something special this year about uh, state yeah, park, a state yeah, park. Uh, yeah. And they were taking what it was at a dozen people, I think for the national park service. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably had like a, a point. Zero, <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah. had like a point zero 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 one percent chance of winning that 12 out of how many applicants, but put our names in the ring. Yeah. You know, you can't draw it without putting in. That's right. I'm definitely not the person that's going right. to have the, the luck to draw one of those. Like, gosh, you go to the, you know the the local like ducks unlimited banquet or something and it's like you, you can't yep. even win at those let alone a, a, <laughs> a once in a lifetime type opportunity to draw a tag like that but well so yeah i mean you kind of just started d jumping into uh some of the different species that you guys are running so i mean let's start at the top yeah like uh I, I, we understand uh, we know from working with you that there's some hunts that are very very um uh, not unattainable, but um, take many years of the drawing yeah. and the application process. So um, maybe let's, let's start there and just can with your with your background in the agency, you can kind of 
give the listeners some background on what you know the application process and the timelines of some of those higher those higher hunts and then we can kind of work into maybe some of those that are more obtainable to, to yeah. new listeners or people that are new to Arizona. Yeah, for sure. So uh, again, the best, the best source of information is going to be the, the Arizona game and fish department website, you know, to, to have everything on there. But generally speaking, um, Arizona, like I said, they've got 10 big game species. Um, all of the tags are available by draw um so meaning you have to you have to apply for the tags and 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 draw the tags to go hunting uh the only exception would be is what's called otc tags and those over-the-counter opportunities and those are available for uh uh for for deer both mule deer and coos deer um generally in three different times throughout the year it's going to be august september for folks who who want to hunt velvet deer um, the latter half-ish of December and then all of January. Um, and there's a lot of different units uh, statewide that are open. Um, there's some that are not, like the Strip and the Kayabab. You know, those are the premium opportunities. But there's a very easy opportunities for folks who just want to go hunting in Arizona um, with either archery or a crossbow if you have either a a crossbow permit or a champ permit or something like that. Um, but back to the draw stuff. So uh, with, with, with the draw process, and this is something that um, either ABO folks or, or us here at Shadow Valley that we can help with is we can help folks in terms of making sense of not only the draw process, but also application strategies to then best um, ha- have the best chance for drawing. Um, there's three different draws in the state. Uh, there's a, a, a draw coming up um, in early February, and that's for elk and antelope. Uh, the next draw is in, essentially, it's, it's the second Tuesday in June. So, you know, early June, if you think of, think of it that way. Um, and that's for deer and bighorn sheep. Uh, and then there's the spring draw, which is, is in October, and those are, that's for the spring species like uh, turkeys, uh, buffalo, and uh, and javelina. Um, in terms of the actual draw process, uh, the 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 biggest thing I can I can tell folks is get on the website and look at how the draw works. You know, there's there's three phases to the draw. Um, you have your bonus point phase, which is essentially only available to the high bonus point boulders. Um, uh, where they allocate 20% of the permits and up to 5% of those permits can be non-residents with high bonus points. Um, and then after the, and they only look at your first two choices for that. Next is the, the random phase of the draw. And, uh, and that's where they allocate the remaining 80% of the permits and for non-residents, the other 5% as well. Um, and so they go through that. And then the third phase of the draw is after those two, two phases, uh, then they look at everyone's third, fourth, and fifth choices if there's anything left over. So, um, uh, and again, all big game species, with the exception of OTC deer, um, bears and lions are another thing that you can just buy a tag and, and go hunting. You don't have to draw those. Um, there are some draw permits for bears, but there's a lot of great OTC opportunities, especially in, 
in the early summer months that, uh, I mean, you can hunt what's called bears and the pears. They get into the, down into prickly pear cactus and, and it's a, it's an absolute ball, um, a warmer hunt, but, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Um, you know, again, we offer lots of those hunts and things like that. Um, and yeah, but all your prickly pear cactus look like just trying to picture it in my own head. Like what kind of, um, it's, it's like, a um, it's a big flat, almost like a plate, like cactus that has sections that grow off it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of Mexican cuisine actually has, they're called nopalitos and, uh, it's prickly pear pads that they cut up. They, uh, they take all the stick off of and things like that. But, um, and it, and it has a fruit on it that the bears absolutely love. And a lot of folks actually will pick the fruit and make a jam out of it and things. And, um, it's really quite tasty, but crazy. Uh, bears and the pears. Yeah. I like the um, bears and the pears. Yeah. They get into them and I mean, they're, uh, it, it's an absolute ball. Um, again, it's a fun, it's a, it's a hunt, you know, it's in August, uh, August, September, October, um, October being obviously nicer, but when they're in the peak of the pear season, that's, that's your August, uh, August type timeline. And, and, uh, they're very, they're much more visible during that time. And, and it's a, it's a great time if folks want to, want to hunt bears in the pairs and you know, it's a over the counter tag. You buy your tag and plan yeah, your hunt. Kidding. Yeah. That sounds super entertaining. And then maybe I, correct me if I'm wrong, but on some of those bear hunts, maybe it depends on area or unit, but are there like when a certain amount is reported as a kill or tags are uh, reported being punched, then they shut those seasons down. Or is that, is that not correct? Yeah, no, that is correct. So there's a, there's a unit specific kind of a quota, if you will. And then there's a, Got it. um, almost a zone type specific quota, both for bears and lions. And, uh, so let's say you have the bear opener, uh, you know, all of our seasons open on Fridays. Um, you're guaranteed to have until Wednesday to hunt. Um, and then it, uh, sundown on Wednesday, that's when everything is updated. And if, um, only, only sows, only females impact the harvest objective, um, and can close the different hunts and seasons and whatnot. Uh, so and it's open for, um, Friday to Wednesday, and then you have to check and make sure that that harvest, uh, objective, uh, hasn't been met. And if it has not been met, then it's open until the following Wednesday. So it's open for a week at a time. Um, I guess in terms of the listeners, if you're interested in, in hunting fall bears, um, again, give us a call or ADO and, and I would schedule the hunt for that first opener just to guarantee that you actually get the hunt in, um, uh, you know, and, and, and go that route. Um, those quotas must uh, be, and, they get met pretty, yeah. pretty often. Right. And there's some units that close, you know, essentially right away just because there's so many bears um, out and about, and there's some units that don't. So, you know, each is going to be a little bit different, but, um, obviously we want, we want to put folks, you know, in the action and where, where there's a lot of bears and they have high opportunity for success. So, um, no, that's but, good. Uh, info. Yeah, like, any questions? Bear hunting in Southern Arizona or Arizona in general is just not something that's talked about yeah, in, in, not at all, especially up here in the Midwest. You know, obviously we have bear country up here, but that's, that sounds very, uh, very entertaining for a hunt. 
Bears in the pair. I like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's a lot of fun. And they're all black bears. Uh, I think the last grizzly bear was killed in the mid thirties in Arizona, but, uh, all black bears, lots of different color phases from black to blonde to brown. And, you know, um, and then kind of a mix of all the in-betweens. Cool. Cool. How lenient are they on, on the, the, those quotas? I mean, is it something that like, let's just say you're out in service or no service, you kill a bear. And by the time you get into service and you report it, it's already been closed. Like how lenient are they on that? It's gotta be a grace period. Or do they say, no, it's your fault. You should have checked before you went out. Like what? Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's your responsibility to do it, to do it. Um, and, uh, it's one of those things, you you know, you have to know what you're getting into before you do it. Uh, that's part of what folks, you know, hire outfitters so that they don't have to worry about those details. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, you, uh, you double check beforehand and, and make sure. And then, like I said, you're guaranteed up until that, that Wednesday, um, you know, the, the season would close Wednesday evening. So you want to check if you're going to continue hunting, um, you know, late Wednesday night, Thursday morning to, before you go out just to make sure everything's open. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Right now we've got, um, your, yeah, like, your site pulled up with some giant, giant, uh, yeah, for the listeners, Kaibab bucks, but for the listeners, like you said, if you are like looking at these pictures of the strip and Kaibab, I'm familiar with those hunts. If people are looking at your website or listen to this podcast and have not investigated what a strip hunter Kaibab hunt is like, obviously that's world-class mule deer hunting. Yeah. If that interests you start applying. <laughs> yeah. And so we were just kind of talking about the different seasons and application process, but if how, on average, like what number of points are those guys drawing with? Uh, and you're talking specific to like strip and kaibab. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of tricky, I guess. Uh, uh, there's application services, you know, that, that can do all the, 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 the applying for you and whatnot. Um, luckily Arizona a few years ago, they changed it to where, so up to 10% of the available permits can go to non-residents. Um, they changed it a few years ago and they split that up in that kind of what I described earlier, 5% go to the high bonus point holders and 5% go to, uh, to folks, to non-residents during the random phase of the draw. So that's, that's creates a better opportunity for folks with, less than max bonus points. Um, you know, I think max bonus points right now is upwards of like 31, uh, 32, something like that. Um, you know, meaning they've, they've been applying, uh, for, you know, essentially like 20, if it's, if it's 32 bonus points right now, they've been, they've been applying for 30 years. Um, cause you can get a hundred red bonus point and then what's called a, a, a conservation bonus point in addition to the application point. Um, but there are opportunities, I guess, more so depending on, uh, like the Kaibab, for example, there's archery opportunities on the Kaibab that are generally speaking much easier to draw than the rifle opportunities. And especially the late rifle hunts, you know, that are known for, uh, smack dab in the middle of the the rut and things like that. Um, but then. The Arizona Strip and the Kaibab, uh, you know, that's 
it's world-class. I mean, it doesn't get any better. You know, you're up there and especially the strip over the Kaibab. The Kaibab's great, but the strip is really where, you know, it's known for those, you know, that the, the bench line is that 200 inch mark or bigger. Um, you know, this year it was a really, really poor year in terms of drought and, um, it was a struggle for trying to find deer that, you know, hit that 200 mark, but, um, it's also been known to produce deer that are over, you know, 250 and above, you know, on, on, on crazy years. So, um, <laughs> 250 and, inches of, that's like, oh, I mean, is that an elk? Yeah, it, <laughs> inches or no inches, like just looking at these pictures, all of them are just like a hunter's dream on the wall, right? Like that's what you want on your mat or above your fire mantle or, you know, uh, in your peak yeah, spot no, in your mean, house. Absolutely. It's uh, and the, they're, you know, that's a, that's a trophy opportunity that again, they're second to none, um, both the strip and the Kaibab, uh, you know, and it's just, uh, such a, a neat area and it's big, it's fast. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think the strip alone, 13 B there's 13 A and 13 B that, that make up the strip. 13 B is, you know, bigger than two Rhode Islands put together. I mean, it's, Jeez, uh, if you're not, if you're not, if you draw a tag like that and you don't hire someone, you're making a giant mistake. And I only say that because, you know, you're to even cover that country, you have to have big glass. And when I say big glass, I'm not talking about 15 power binoculars because that's, you're under, you're under glassing for, for stuff like that on the strip. You're talking, you know, Swarovski BTXs, uh, Koas, uh, twin spotters, things that you're actually looking out two and three miles um, with optics uh, just to kind of cover your bases. And you'll have days where you don't see deer um, because it's, you know, again, it's generally speaking lower deer density on the strip, but super high trophy potential. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really cool place. Um, you know, super awesome. And, you know, and then you have the Kayabab where, it's kind of the opposite in terms of deer density. There's super high deer density, um, especially on the West side, 12, eight West. Uh, and you know, and it's produced some jumbo deer, uh, lots of history there in terms of the Kaibab and the deer herd. If you go online, you can find lots of information about, you know, carrying capacity and, and, and what's, what's happened in the past in terms of when they didn't manage it well enough or they, um, uh, they let the deer carrying capacity get above where it should have, and then you have a. Have oh. Hold on one second, Ben. We lost. And him. Uh, there he's back. Yeah, I got a duck call in the back. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the Kaibab is a place where again, a lot, lots more permits. Generally speaking, um, great trophy potential. And, uh, if, if I were a new out of state non-resident hunter, I'd be looking either for that archery Kaibab hunt or the early Kaibab rifle hunts that, you know, again, can produce some great deer, you know, 180 plus type deer. And, uh, certainly that 200 mark is, a, you know, is possible. Um, but, uh, you know, great opportunities. And the best thing I can tell folks is if you're not applying get at least start buying bonus points start buying bonus points and and, and at least build bonus points in arizona 
Right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, the people that, that know about the strip and half points, obviously they're knowledgeable on this subject and those that are just hearing it and want to, it's either, you know, like you said, you're going to have to go for those more obtainable zones or seasons um, versus that or it's a retirement gift to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I was say that. So. It kind of makes you have to probably make that decision of like, I'm going to put in and just wait with Arizona or I'm going to try to draw a tag once every like five plus years instead of waiting 30 possibly. Right, right. So then as far as, you know, those are the top tier, you know, things that uh, people could apply for and then you guys offer guiding or guide service for. But what's some of the more, um, you know, less time consuming, you know, what can, can, you know, what deer hunts or elk hunts? I know that there's really good elk opportunities in Arizona that, that a listener could start applying for and reasonably get in the next three, four, five, seven years. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's the super hard to draw hunts that the ultra premium type opportunities, you know, for like we, we talked about the strip and the kayak from mule deer. Um, there's a lot of deer hunts available in central Arizona and Southern Arizona that, you know, you have the potential to, you know, to, to shoot something 160 plus and even quite larger, but you know, uh, that probably the biggest deer that we kill this year is going to be that, that buck that was killed, I don't know, a month or so ago in Southern Arizona that is going to be bigger than any strip deer that we killed this year, uh, or that we've killed this year. Um, I mean, just an absolute giant and that's a very easy tag to draw. Um, so there are tags available, that you can draw as a non-resident, you know, every five, six years and have an opportunity to go hunting and, and harvest a nice deer, you know, and it, it really depends on the hunter in terms of what you want out of your hunt. If you want a particular, if you want a good, you know, a, a good uh, representation of the species, whatever you want, what your physical capability is, things like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of opportunity so then you know if we go into elk type stuff um again those top tier jumbo producers are going to be like your 9 10 23 127 type hunts things like that that are known for producing you know bulls near that 400 inch mark um that you know again that when you look at each species you know that the 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 bench line that everyone wants to hit for mule deer is 200 inches, you know, for elk, it's typically 350. Um, you know, antelope is 80 inches, coos deer, hundred inches, stuff like that, that, you know, that's kind of the, the goal, so to speak. Um, there are units for elk that you can, you can get into that, uh, again, depending on your goals and, and what you want out of the hunt, you know, you can draw a late rifle bull tag, um, with probably five to seven points, something like that and, and go hunting and have chances at a pretty good bull, you know, 300 plus type thing. And even, you know, up to, up to, and potentially over 350 on some of these units. So, um, each unit is going to be slightly different from year to year, depending on rain and, you know, things like that. Uh, again, give us a call in terms of questions, uh, uh, where to put in. It's going to be super individualized. You know, if, what you have for bonus points, if you have any, how to start, um, and, uh, and, and just go from there. And then again, coos deer, 
uh, lots of units that are super easy to draw. Um, literally, probably maybe your first time applying. Um, and then there's other units that will take you some time to draw. Um, but, you know, for Coos Deer, our goal is 100 inches or better. Uh, and, you know, we're going to try and put folks in the units that best fit not only their 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 needs and and desires from the hunt, but um, it is also fitting in terms of their physical ability as well. So, um, last thing we want to do is you know bring someone out and and uh, and kill them in a hunt or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like maybe you have an opinion or an an, an actual idea of when, but. It, just as a state, Arizona seems to just take the stance of like managing for just higher quality of animal and not to say that there's not opportunity for people to just go buy over the counter tags. Cause there certainly are, but like, you know, when, when did that, is that always been the case in Arizona? Or is that, is that something that, you know, they kind of saw the writing on the wall and then the fifties or sixties, they decided to do, to, to take a more aggressive approach for, or limiting yeah it does it does definitely seem like it's more strictly it seems like it and then well i mean it's it it really is and i guess and i say that knowing how the process is and and being from arizona um and there's 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 two different kind of management strategies that uh that the game and fish department takes with a lot of the units so there's some units that they manage for more trophy quality um you know obviously the deer has got the, the strip, the kaibab, uh, things like that, that are managed separately from your opportunity units where they, they, they divvy out more tags, um, you know, and they get people out and, and hunting. I mean, that, that's important because that's, that's where, that, that's how they fund conservation is through yeah. the sale of hunting yeah, and absolutely. fishing, you know, licenses and, 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 you know, all the excise taxes and things like that associated with it. Um, you know, for elk, the same thing, they've got some, some particular units that they manage for trophy quality. Um, but then generally a lot of the other units, the bulk of the units, probably 80% are, are just opportunity units. Um, but that being said, there, there are, you know, people would bend over backwards to go kill a 300 inch elk. And, you know, generally speaking, Arizona, that's very, very doable. And, just about all of our units. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that is, has to do with the management, but it also is part of, you know, the, the climate and what Arizona has. And, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's just a producer for great, great growth overall, yeah. um, in terms of, um, antler and horn size and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. There's not like, you know, the mountains definitely get snow. Is there the same snowpack that there is in, you know, higher, higher elevations of Colorado and, you know, Montana, whatever, probably not. And then on top of that, there's only, as far as like a bigger predator, there's mountain lions, you know, and beyond that, there's not like, you know, grizzly bears or anything that's going to just dominate yeah, our, I mean, our population. We, we've got wolves now. So we have mountain lions and wolves, mm. um, you know, in, in Arizona, I guess part of the other thing too is it we get we have kind of two wet periods, I guess, if you will. We've got the the monsoon moisture in the summer um, that typically starts around July ish, July first, and runs through early to mid September or so. 
Um, and then we typically dry out for a while and then we get winter rain um, starting kind of anytime here soon, usually right around the, the mid to latter part of November. And that will usually last through February or March or so. So, you know, uh, that, that also plays into to growth and things like that and how, how the species have evolved here and, and, uh, you know, whatnot. So, um, pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, cool state yeah for definitely. Sure. It for like sure. It's got a little bit of everything. Gem. It's got, it's got the trophies. It's got the, uh, actual opportunities. And you said 80% of your units are more of an opportunity type hunt. That's where, you know, us as a group, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to get down and, and start tromping around a little bit come January, but let's kind of talk about your over the counter hunts. Those yeah, are certainly sure. something that people around here are going to be more apt to lean towards. Cause like I said, before we, we recorded growing up and even now, of course, but growing up, you don't know about any of these draws or you don't know about any of the application process. Cause you literally just go down to fleet farm or your local, you know, wherever you can buy a tag, you can just buy it on Friday and you hunt on Saturday morning. So yeah, that's where it's probably more, it is archery only, but still, I mean, there's an opportunity for a lot of people to get down there if they, if they choose to. So regarding your over the counter hunts, what, I guess, let's just talk through that and just give us kind of a, a layout of what a typical day looks like, what the terrain is like, what the hunt could be like, and you know, what kind of quality of animals, both mule deer and coos deer we could uh, expect. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the over-the-counter hunts, again, we talked a little bit about bears uh, and lions. Um, the, the next would be our OTC deer opportunities. And like I said before, there's there's three seasons. There's that August-September hunt where you get deer in velvet. Um, deer are typically bachelored up during that time of year, too. And they're fairly visible. I mean, that's one of the cool parts about that hunt is, um, one, they're bachelored up despite the heat they're pretty visible. Uh, if you're into velvet, you know, you can, you can chase velvet bucks. Um, it's super hot, super hot. Lots of, usually a lot of bugs and things like that. Although, uh, I hear that our bugs in Arizona aren't anything like what they are in other parts of the, uh, the, of the States. So, um, we have a lot of bugs, but they just, they can't necessarily yeah. kill us as easy. <laughs> yeah, right. It seems like a lot of bugs for us, but maybe I'm, I'm spoiled, I guess. But, um, so you have that August, September opportunity for both coos deer and mule deer. Um, and again, there's a handful of units that are open and some that are closed. So each, uh, it, it, it I don't want to say it changes year to year. Um, but, uh, your, your premium units like the strip and the Kaibab are not open, uh, as well as your super low Southern Arizona units, uh, Southwest type Arizona that, that are very, very deserty because if, if those were open, you would literally slaughter deer around water during that hunt. Um, oh, I bet. You yeah. know, and, and, uh, so, um, but typically how we hunt folks during that time of year, uh, usually we do spot and stock um, in the mornings, depending on the monsoon moisture and how much rain we've had. Um, we may sit water midday through the end of the day or do spot and stock in the evening too. Um, we're, we're very proactive in that we, we like spot and stock. It's a lot of fun. You know, people really enjoy that in our experience. Um, we can certainly provide the, 
you know, the ground blind or thing like that, thing like things like that too. Um, but we really like being more proactive and, and, and getting folks and try and sneak up and get into range and, 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 uh, hunt, hunting like that. Definitely. Um, during that time of year, that August, September hunt, you're, I guess, generally it's going to be rolling hills, Tuesday, some mountainous terrain, but you're pretty limited in terms of the heat with how far you can go back in. Um, you know, so it's going to be rolling hills and some of the flat pinion juniper flats and things like that for mule deer and then Southern Arizona desert type stuff for mule deer. Um, but again, you're not venturing too, too far in because of not only the amount of water you'd have to pack, but also just managing your, your salts and electrolytes and things. If you're really get, if you really bite too much off and you could really put yourself in a, in some trouble if you're not careful. So Right. And that's definitely um, one thing that does not go into consideration for us folks up here. That's, that's something we're not accustomed to. So that's interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's your August, September hunt. So that's your first opportunity for OTC deer, uh, both mule deer and coos deer. Um, the next opportunity is going to be the latter part of December. Generally it's the, um, kind of the last three weeks or so of December. And now recently the Arizona game of fish has been, reducing some of those opportunities so there there's there's still december opportunity but fewer and fewer fewer units are are now open but um is that because of the rut december, or what's the reason for that uh harvest i guess um people have been too successful so they're uh as you part of as part of the prescription you know when you have 20 percent of the harvest um, for three years in a row that, that is, that comes from archery harvest, they have to start removing opportunity. And part of the first opportunity that's removed is that December hunt opportunity, uh, uh for some of those units. So, um, you know, and that's something again in December, more so mule deer, less so coos deer, uh, generally speaking, but um, you're getting into that rut acti activity. And so mule deer are typically, you know, up north, they're in the rut in mid to early November. Uh, in southern and central Arizona, you're in the rut starting kind of mid-December, um, and it typically will extend through January, um, through early January. And uh, so you're hunting deer in the rut, um, and, and again, great opportunity um, I should say too. So in Arizona, you're allowed one, one deer per calendar year. Um, and that's one thing that, uh, uh, you can, let's say you come out in December. It's a lot of people's kind of last, last go for, for their, their, their buck for the year, so to speak. So, um, cause once January rolls around, then, then you start fresh and, and you're, you're then on a, a Obviously, you can only kill one deer in, in that year, too. Um, so that, that latter half of December, a great opportunity uh, for mule deer and coos deer. Um, probably a little bit more mule deer. Um, if I had to suggest anything, I'd say the last, you know, the last week of the year between Christmas and New Year's is typically the best. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, great opportunity. Much cooler. Um nice to be out and, uh, and go from there. Um, so if somebody, I mean, that, have you ever had it where somebody were to 
line up their hunt like the last three days of the calendar year and then the first two or three days of the the next calendar year and in, in theory day one or two kill a buck and then could literally go buy another tag and hunt with you on january 1st yeah yeah we have people every year that do uh do things like that you know they Sweet. find one trip and um and they try for both species or yeah. you know whatever it is but um, That's sick. Like if you had some early early success, you could just go, you know, spend a couple hours to drive back into town and grab a tag. And That's Mike for you, though. Always trying to optimize the meat in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just, you know, <laughs> thinking about, tell me the rules and I'll figure out how to, uh, you know, maximize, <laughs> maximize opportunities. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, we have people do that every year. And, and it's a great opportunity, especially if you're, you know, flying or driving from, from you know, a long ways away that you know you want to plan a trip and and uh it's a great time to be out so sure yeah um, and it's cold and here good, that's and good then, to know. Uh, yeah absolutely so and then that the the third opportunity for otc deer is uh is january um again both mule deer and coos deer uh technically pronounced cows deer but a lot of the arizona residents pronounce it coos deer um Oh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, one of those technical things that I'm sure that I don't think many people, yeah, it probably drives you nuts. <laughs> you get any biologists listening and they're, they're probably crenching me saying, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, it, it's a local thing, but, uh, and again, so there, there are some units that are only open for the two first two weeks of January. And there's some units that are open for all of January. Um, but, that's again an opportunity for you know you to chase deer full on in the rut um you know and and from a from a standpoint of of literally buying your hunting license buying a tag and planning a hunt you know it's really tough to beat the otc opportunity in arizona for for deer for mule deer and coos deer um just because you can hunt deer right smack dab in the rut they're going crazy the weather's nice you know and the days are short so we have actually have a lot of folks that will either rent hotels or rent uh, airbnbs things like that and literally we can hunt all day um come back people can stay in a a place have a nice place to stay you know that uh um have a nice shower warm bed and then go back out in the, in the morning and you know and really yeah exactly um so uh yeah, cool. Is that is that typically how you how you guys run the accommodations then for a lot of that OTC? Because I know that you guys cover a lot of the state with the amount of guides that you guys got. So is that kind of some of the the hunter tries to find a you know a lodging or hotel Airbnb, and then we just meet up yeah. rendezvous and go. So we do. We offer a lot of different um, opportunities in that you know. So so generally we do either a fully outfitted hunt, which means we we provide all the camp setup. We do all the cooking, provide all the food, everything like that. Um, that's going to be, that's, that's, that's going to look like, you know, Kodiak canvas tents, wall tents, things like that, that we, we put folks up in cots, sleeping uh, pads, you know, you bring your own pillow and sleeping bag and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's what our fully outfitted stuff looks like. Um, and then we have a lot of folks that just opt for guide only hunts, which is, you get the same guide opportunity, but they, they provide their own either camp setup um, or decide to rent a hotel. They do their own food thing and whatnot. Uh, 
each is a little bit different. So like, let's talk about strip and Kyabab. We do, we, we almost don't give folks a choice. We, we do give a choice, but our suggestion is more fully outfitted hunts for that because it's so remote and it's easiest to just take care of everything um, for those hunts for folks and no, no driving back and forth. And um, because of where we're hunting, uh, a lot of that is the same also for generally speaking, a lot of that, the elk hunts, um, we're going to be camping out because of all things considered and whatnot. Uh, when we get into some of the OTC hunts, um, it's kind of a, I, I would almost say it's probably like an 80, 20 mix in terms of folks, 20% want that fully outfitted option. They, they like that opportunity, but I bet 80% of people after talking with them and, and, um, just seeing what they want out of the hunt, um, they either, uh, grab a hotel or an Airbnb, um, which, which in some ways to us almost, it actually provides more flexibility in that, um, yep. let's say during a five day hunt, I maybe I have people that all the time they, they want to chase both coos deer and mule deer. Um, if we've got kind of a central spot, uh, that they're staying in, um, I can go hunt a couple different units without really any issue whatsoever. Whereas if I go out to an area and set up a camp, um, I'm only going to hunt that surrounding area because of drive time and logistics and stuff like that. So, right. And then um, camp tear down. And if you want to relocate, it's just not as feasible. It takes half a day for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we get, like I said, we get folks, I'll, I'll do some hunts in January. We get folks that want to do backpack hunts for coos deer. Um, so we, we spike in and, and pack out for there and, and hunt some area. Um, you know, and, and kind of go that route. So we, we can do whatever, you know, we want to make sure folks are successful and, and want, uh, we want to deliver what they want out of the hunt, you know, and, and some folks like the wall tent experience and, and camping and things like that. And we're happy to provide that. Um, you know, so whatever folks want, we're, we're good with, but, uh, if, if, if folks are good also with, with grabbing an Airbnb or a hotel, you know, it's just as easy and, and provide some flexibility as well. So, yeah, that um, speaks, that speaks it, volumes. It, 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 like what you said at the beginning, you know, like yeah. that you guys, you guys communicate with the customer and you're, you're open, you're, you're clear, concise, like you want your customers to get out of the hunt, what they want or expect. So that's huge just to, you know, to, to state that effort and, you know, uh, make sure that those guys are getting what they want and what their purchase and their expectations are met. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's again, they're, they're paying for a service. We want to provide that service and, um, you know, make sure that they, you know, for a lot of people that, um, harvesting isn't the complete end goal of the hunt. Sometimes it's, it's the entire, um, the entire opportunity and the, the entire experience that, that will make or break something. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, that's what at the end of the day, I think most people kind of have that same similar feel where of course, anybody who goes out and hunts and says they don't really care. Well, I mean, you're, you're at the end of the day, you would like to have that happen. That's what you're going out for, right. but especially bow hunting. I mean, most of the hunts don't end in uh, you know, a, a kill. I mean, it just doesn't. Right. So, right. so you just know you, at the same time going out doing it, you, you just know that it's kind of a, 
it's the way the world, that's what's going to happen. The experience of like us going to Arizona, a place we've never hunted, that's, that's going to be fun as hell. I mean, yeah. 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 And, ex, you know, and it goes back to the expectations thing that you said. And if you're, ex, you know, what kind of animal are you after? What's your trophy? And, yeah. you know, if, if it's just having the experience and killing an animal and that's your trophy, then, you know, Ben's going to sit or get you up on a spot that it's going to get you the most successful odds of uh, getting that trophy. So, Yep. Sure. Dude. Yeah. And a lot of people want, you know, they're um, having that conversation with folks beforehand has been very, very helpful to know what they want, whether they want a number or, you know, a good representative, spe- you know, uh, of that species or, or what it is. Um, you know, we've, we've had folks uh, in, from, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. So, um, you know, just having that conversation is important and then going from there and then we can, you know, try and try and create a, a hunt and match you up with guides that provide that. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly, like I said, Arizona, if you're not taking advantage of those opportunities, um, especially the OTC stuff, um, very, uh, even if you do it kind of the DIY style, I mean, very inexpensive and an opportunity to really, um, you know, really chase some deer in the peak of rut. Yeah, absolutely. I saw you shot. I, I saw you shot a, a pretty gnarly buck with your brother here. Recently yeah, too. I was going to bring that, that up. Was that a was that an OTC unit or is he a resident and you guys went to a certain location? Undisclosed. So he's Undisclosed. Not, uh, <laughs> Secret spot. You could tell us, but then he'd have to hire a hitman. The next hunt would be in Minnesota. <laughs> He's a, he is an Arizona resident. Um, and actually that was a leftover. So after the draw process, um, if there's any tags that are unspoken for, um, there's what's called a leftover process and it, it doesn't take any bonus points or anything like that. Um, he got that tag. It was a leftover muzzleloader tag. So, you know, uh, it, it's, they're fairly high demand. Uh, as you can imagine, but, uh, he was, he was lucky enough to get one of those leftover permits. Didn't require, uh, or didn't use any of his bonus points. And, and, uh, we went out and, um, we do a lot of pretty extreme stuff, uh, a lot of backpacking and things like that. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of people that want from super easy, uh, very, very minimal type, um, physical exertion i guess to we've done stuff where i've had clients toenails fall off because we're doing some really extreme things that you know downhill and things like that i found out later that um it happens to him a lot so it wasn't something that hasn't happened to him before but um still i mean we we going hard enough (laughs) yeah exactly i've had that happen one time out on a western elk hunt so i can imagine how much more physical strenuous activity it's got to be to consistently, you know, have clients do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that hunt, it was a muzzleloader tag and, um, we're lucky to, lucky to find that deer on the sixth day of the hunt and, and everything worked out and, and he killed a tremendous deer. It's, you know, it's on our, uh, we've got obviously the website, we have, uh, social media, both Facebook and Instagram, um, those sites are probably more updated than some of our website stuff, but, um, all three platforms, you know, for folks to go and check out, 
um, and see, you know, uh, go from there. So, yeah, that was a, yeah, that, of, that looked like a dandy buck. Heck of a buck. Um, yeah. I mean, so just, that's something that obviously most people, if you don't have to go too far West here to see a mule deer. So like, you know, getting on a mule deer hunt. I mean, I think a lot of people would love to do it. However, the, the coos hunt and the coos deer is just something that around here and, and areas that people typically hunt, they're just, they're just not there. So yeah. like from a standpoint of, um, you know, you obviously guiding and glassing these bucks up, but also from a biological standpoint, explain the, like the, the, the difference between the mule deer and coos deer and, you know, what kinds of main characteristics are you looking for? Like if you, you're look, like you said earlier, you're looking two or three miles out. What kind of things are you looking at off the hop besides like an antler? Cause that's a main difference. Of course. Whoa. We just pulled um, up, to, we just pulled up his buck actually. Yeah. So we're looking at him again. Looking at your brother pick. Wow. Uh, okay. Double drop time. Look at that thing. It's like a triple almost. Yeah. He's got triple droppers. It's pretty triple drop. Whoa pretty cool deer um but yeah so like I, I guess in terms of you know habitat types and stuff like mule deer generally are in the flatter terrain uh as they as they begin to rut and they start to get up in a little bit more mountainous stuff um and, and it's very unit specific too i mean we've got some units that are much more mountainous that are are full of mule deer um but again generally speaking especially like the southern arizona otc stuff um, easy to draw opportunity to type units, um, flatter terrain, um, things like that. Uh, and then as you transition up into those hills, then that's where a lot of your coos deer habitat starts. Um, and, uh, you know, coos deer obviously go all the way to nearly the top of the hill, um, or mountain, I should say, but, uh, you're seeing a lot of coos deer also in some of the lower elevation stuff too, that, um, they've actually ventured out. They've done quite well, and 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 I don't want to say are competing with mule deer, but they're they're in some stuff that you typically in the his in 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 the past would see mule deer in, um, you know. And uh, and then once you find them, obviously you're looking at different antler configurations, and, and there's different ways to tell obviously the species apart. The tail being the best way, um, and uh, whatnot, but. Yeah, both uh, very fun to hunt. You know, obviously mule deer could be much larger than, or are much larger than uh, than coos deer. A mature coos deer buck might be, you know, 120 pounds or something like that, where mule deer, especially some of the strip kayback deer, <laughs> you might get up into that 300-pound range, um, you know, mid-2 mid to 300-pound type thing. Wow. Yep. Dang. Yeah, they... It just seems, yeah, I mean, it's obviously not just seems, it's, it's a much smaller body deer, but they, um, they seem from everything you hear and see, I've never, I've never hunted one, but I've never killed one, obviously for that matter too. But you know, everything you hear and see, I mean, them being commonly re referred to as the great ghost, that's like, is a little bit more elusive, a little bit more of a, you know, not as visible type, type animal, but I mean, sorry, you're just spending countless hours behind the glass when you hunt those? Yeah. So a lot of, um, 
a lot of western hunting especially arizona you're you've got binoculars mounted on tripods um you know always mounted on a tripod typically 15 power binoculars um you know 10 and 12s work well um but always glassing um and you're going to be a lot of your day is going to be glassing um finding animals and once you find an animal trying to figure out which what options you have to then get that animal killed you know depending on the terrain the the wind obviously and things like that um but uh yeah glass is critical you know and obviously buy the best glass that you can afford um but uh the the clearer the glass the better and more effective you are you are going to be in terms of 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 hunting and 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 things like that so that's that's what we do a lot of almost exclusively with just about all the species is lots of glass um you know and then in some areas in coos deer the same too a lot of big glass we're you know we're using twin spotters btx's things like that so um i guess uh incidentally if anyone's in the market for anything swarovski i'm also a swarovski dealer so um they can certainly give me a call if they are interested in buying any uh any quality glass at all for sure yeah, good to know definitely especially when we Little need to upgrade plug. yeah hey yeah you get you got to throw a plug in there yeah hey, you got to. <laughs> yeah everybody's selling something ben <laughs> it's the way of the world so, man swallow yeah, makes great yeah. stuff too um Okay, I mean, we can we we've talked about just very you know you you I mean you've even talked about specific unit stuff, but kind of a to end it maybe more of like a rapid fire. Give us like your top three. We'll we'll say like trophy with bonus points and no bonus points. Top units for coos deer, mule deer, elk. Does that make sense? Jeez, he's so really Tuesday, cute. mule deer, and elk. He's dropping um, a trivia on you here. So, like, you uh, know. Okay. Um, so, Tuesday, uh, shop trophy units, and the, again, this is going to be dependent on weather year to year. Um, but uh, for, 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 air, for folks with no bonus points, you know, you're looking at, and again, depending on your physical ability, you know, the, the 36 units are great. 29 um, is great. Uh, I'd say that probably the 36s are up there in terms of easy to draw, low bonus point opportunities. Those, um, usually the early November hunts are pretty easy to draw. So I'd look at the 36s uh, for folks just starting out. Um, trophy potential. For folks with a bunch of bonus points, uh, you know, 23 is great, but that's a very physical hunt. If you're old and and not able to get around very well, I'd stay away from that. Uh, the 36s have great trophy potential. 29, great trophy potential. Uh, 34A, um, good potential. If you're physical and want to bite off a bunch, you know, try 33 too. But 33 had that... Uh, had a fire uh, two years ago, and then post-fire, uh, we had a really severe drought, and so it, it really knocked deer back a lot in that unit. Um, it'll be tremendous here in two or three years, yep. 
Um, still great, great unit, but, uh, you know, not what it used to be. Um, so that's for coos deer. For mule deer, uh, non-residents with zero points. Um, I'd be looking at some of those uh, central Arizona units. Um, you know, nine, ten, uh, some of those, and then also Southern Arizona. The 36s are good. 30A is good. Uh, 32 is good. Um, and again, there's going to be some hunts that are easier to, easier to draw than others. Yeah. If you're a non-resident with a bunch of bonus points looking for trophy stuff, um, uh, I'd say obviously the strip. Uh, if you can hunt archery, I would really suggest thinking about that archery opportunity, both the strip, the Kayabab, um, and then, uh, uh, they just created some, some late rut type hunts. There's a desert one down on the Cabeza Prieta. And then there's also one up in unit eight. That's a kind of a late season, low permit number, but you know, trophy potential is very, very, um, very good in those areas. Um, so that would be my suggestions for mule deer for zero bonus points and max, I guess. Uh, elk hunter. Uh, so elk hunter, zero bonus points. Again, uh, assuming, um, you know, you really probably aren't going to have much opportunity drawing a, an archery rut tag in September. Uh, your only opportunity with zero bonus points is probably going to be a late rifle bull tag. Uh, I'd be looking at unit eight, um, seven West are areas that are, uh, uh, some of the fives as well, but more so the first two I mentioned that are going to be generally speaking, more opportunity, easy to draw, um, 300 plus inches are very, very easy, uh, in terms of potential there. Um, max bonus point holders, non-residents for elk. Um, you know, you gotta be looking at, at nine, 10, 23, one, 27. Um, you know, and again, there's, there's a whole variety of hunts from early rifle, early muzzleloader hunts all the way to late rifle, late archery hunts and things like that. So, um, my best advice to listeners, if you're interested in hunting, give us the call and let's talk about where you're at in terms of, uh, bonus points, um, strategy, what you want out of the hunt and and go from there. Cause it's so individualized, uh, you know, that, that, that's really the best advice I can, I can give you, I guess. Yeah. 100%. The guy's well-versed. Well, yeah. I mean, that was kind of (laughs) more than anything. That's what I really wanted to kind of showcase is like, off the top of his head, I mean, you, you know what you're talking about. You've done yep. it. You've yep. been there as a, a out in the field working. You've done it as a guide. You know these areas. You know where, you know, what areas would work better for certain people that not as physical, very physical, not as many bonus points, all the things that you have to consider going into a hunt. And, you know, that's where just picking up a phone and calling it, you could, talk, you could sit and talk and figure out pretty quick where you would apply for that person. So, yeah, that's sure. kind of where that's kind of what I wanted to show out of that is like, if I'm somebody out there listening, I have any interest in hunting in Arizona, or I have any any I have points built up, and I I am not really sure when the time comes when I want to put in. 
give these guys a call, talk to them and figure out what you want to do and what's best for you. So that's, that's, that's awesome. There's certainly a ton of opportunity to hunt Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the over the counter, the over the counter hunts that he discussed, like it seems like it's a hidden gem, like it's overlooked, especially in the Northern States up here. So big time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's separate from the draw process and that OTC hunts don't require obviously any bonus points. Um, you can, you can still apply for draws and do OTC hunts. You know, the only, the only restriction is that one deer per calendar year. So, um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're really two different separate, um, things that are, um, that, that folks can take advantage of, uh, you know, and, and again, um, I guess look at, look at, uh, look at the process, look at, the bonus point process, the application process, how it works. Um, there's ways to, there's ways to, to, to kind of set yourself up for success and, um, in just applying and, and how you choose units and things like that. So, um, you know, again, give us a ring and, uh, you know, understand how the draw works and go from there. Yep. Now you mentioned the, uh, the social media channels, what I mean, it's just straight up, straightforward. Uh, Shadow Valley Outfitters on Instagram and Facebook, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Check them out. Yep, yeah, give them a follow. Give them a follow. Give them a look. I'm paging through right now, and you guys have been having quite the season once again. I see. Yeah, I know, and we've got a whole bunch of stuff we still um, we still have to upload. I mean, it's it's a constant struggle with trying to trying to trying to keep up to speed and things like that, but. Uh, <laughs> Now, right now, a lot of our folks, the majority are up, um, you know, almost should be driving or already up there camped out for the late bull hunts that start the day after Thanksgiving. So they start Friday and, and, uh, you know, run for a week. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all of our information's on the site, um, uh, both Instagram, Facebook, and, uh, there's a way, uh, on our website to, you know, do a, an email, a contact us email that if you have specific things, you know, let us know, uh, we can respond that way as well and, and go from there. But, um, in terms of, I guess, last minute advice that I would give to folks, uh, you know, look in there on a what's potential, give us a call for advice, uh, understand the draw and the bonus point process. Um, it's a, it's a state that requires you to have, I uh, purchased a hunting license to apply. Um, but what you get out of that is you can apply for all three, uh, for all the different species and all three different draw cycles. And really, you know, your, your cost of the, the non-resident hunting license plus your $15 application fee. So once you have that hunting license, it's really, it's really cheap to apply for at least bonus points for the other species. So start building those bonus points. Um, and then if you have a hunt coming out, practice, um, be proficient with your, you know, your, your gun or your bow or whatever, um, try and be prepared as best as you can. You know, our, we, we have a question all the time. What's your success rate? Well, we don't, we don't really do in, deal in success rates because we can't control how well you shoot. Um, I can tell you our opportunity rates are 90% plus, um, but our success rate typically is around a third or so, depending on how folks can shoot or whatnot. So 
that's just, those are things that are, you know, beyond our control. Right. Um, Good point. I mean, it's open country. Yeah. Yeah. And there's even different site setups and different, um, even rifle setups that we suggest over others, uh, you know, from a site standpoint, like a five pin adjustable or something like that. Um, whereas some people have like a fixed site or, you know, a two pin adjustable that in Western states and in Arizona, it creates, it's so much time changing that when you get an opportunity that you, you, you tend to miss opportunities yep. if, if they're uh, very quick adjustments and things like that. So oh, good tidbit of information right there. Good. Yep. Shoot, um, shoot but yeah, like I said, give us a call and, uh, we're booking out to 2023 right now. We've already got hunts booked OTC hunts in 2023. If you want a spot, you know, let us know. We do offer group discounts, um, you know, and we can do, we can do just about anything. If folks, whatever folks want, um, you know, from a single one person type hunt to big groups, fully outfitted, catered, whatever you want, you know, we, uh, we can accommodate. Absolutely. There you go. It goes back out to listeners reaching out to ABO too. Mike's in direct contact with Ben and uh, you just heard how uh, his expertise and knowledge is second to none down there in Arizona. So we'll get questions answered one way or the other. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, you guys can book hunts directly with uh, on the ABO Outfitters website. Um, You know, we're in constant communication. So uh, it's literally as easy as going on the ABO site too. And if you already know what you want, book it to them and uh and uh we'll be in touch awesome ben that was a ton of awesome information so we uh we seriously appreciate you and the time and your uh your expertise for sure can't thank you enough no yeah thank you guys for having me on and uh again reach out if you have any questions and uh yeah thanks mike matt and uh, all the abo crew and like i said we'll uh we'll help you guys any way we can Yes, no, thank you, and good luck the rest of the season down there. Yeah, thank you guys much. We'll talk, we'll talk soon, Ben. Take care. Thanks, buddy. All right, you guys too. Take All care. Right. See you, Ben. Bye.